Good morning. You can have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat and we'll get into the message for today. Um, hope you're doing well. Hope you got your Christmas shopping done. Um, maybe you're like me and you really haven't, but uh, got, yeah, we got, what, 36 hours? So we're good, all right? Um, anyway, glad you're here. Uh, excited about being in the Word today and being able to share what's been on my heart. Um, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture to begin uh, today. So um, if you have your Bibles or turn on your phone or whatever you need to do to get to Genesis chapter 12, it's where we're going to begin and uh, going to jump to 2 Samuel 7. So you're going to have to fast forward a good bit through the Old Testament to get there. Um, and then we're going to go and read some scriptures from the Gospel of Luke. And so Genesis chapter 12, just want to read the first three verses. Before we do, I kind of want to set it up a little bit so you understand a little about what we're reading. But in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to a man by the name of Abram. Abram will one day become Abraham. Uh, God comes to him and begins to make promises to him, makes an agreement with him. He uh, makes a covenant uh, to be his God and that, that one day, as we're going to see, he's going to use him to be a blessing to all nations. Um, this is pretty amazing because in Genesis chapter 11, just five generations before Abram, um, mankind is doing exactly the opposite of what they were created to do. Rather than filling the earth with the glory of God, they're literally building a tower trying to get themselves to heaven in an effort to make a name for themselves. And so God shows us tremendous grace in that he still comes to Abraham um, and makes this covenant with him. He begins to establish a relationship again with mankind. And so let's read this um, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so when we look at Abram, uh, what we see is really, in a way, he is the beginning of our faith. He's kind of the patriarch of our faith. It's through Abraham that the nation of Israel comes. It's from the nation of Israel that Jesus comes, and from Jesus and our faith in him comes salvation, and we belong now to the people of God. So now go over to 2 Samuel chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 12 through 16. Now, in these verses, we're about to read about King David, you know, King David, David and Goliath, that King David. He's considered the greatest king in the history of Israel, he, uh, the greatest king of the Jewish people. And so God, as David is about to um, die, and, and God comes and makes a promise to him as well. And so in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, he says, this he says the lord declares to you that the the lord himself will establish a house for you god is saying this to him through a prophet by the name of nathan verse 12 says this when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors i will raise up for your your offspring to secede you and your own flesh and blood i will establish his throne or his kingdom he is the one who will build a house for my name. So he's speaking specifically of Solomon now, who is David's son, who's going to build the temple. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, who was a former king who lost the kingdom, whom I removed from before you. Verse 16, listen to this one. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So he's promising King David that one from his offspring will become a king forever on the throne of God's people. All right, so now let's go way fast forward to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, now we're getting into the Christmas story. And so Luke chapter 1, we come in, in verse 46 to Mary's song. It's when Mary finds out she's going to give birth to Jesus. Um, she's realizing what this means, and she um, has this song that um, she begins to proclaim, right? Um, and we're just going to read verses 51 through 55. But this isn't speaking about what God has done in Christ and is going to do through him. She says this, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So we see Abraham come up again in that passage also. Now let's jump over just a few verses to Zechariah's song. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist who is coming to prepare the way for the Lord, the way for Jesus as he comes to begin his ministry. John the Baptist came preaching uh, um, repentance and that the kingdom of heaven was near. And then Jesus comes behind him as John was preparing people's hearts to receive him. And so Zechariah begins to prophesy as he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The first part of his prophecy, though, is dealing with Jesus, not with John the Baptist. And so in verse 67 of Luke 1, it says this, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. There's David again. Remember, he was going to establish a king out of David's lineage. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to proclaim his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. All right, another song. These are three different songs we're looking at from people who are recognizing who Jesus is and understand why Jesus came. The third one is in Luke chapter two. It's by a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon, it says, was a devout worshiper of God. And God had revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah or the anointed one, Jesus, come into the picture. And so we pick up with what he says as uh, Jesus' parents have brought him into the temple to dedicate him. Now Simeon has seen the Lord. And this is what he says in verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, one more section of scripture, and this is in Luke chapter 10. So just flip over a little bit. 
In this section of scripture, Jesus has sent out 72 disciples. He sent them out basically on a mission trip. He tells them to go into the world and begin to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come or is near. He's He's given them authority, his authority, to go into the earth and and, and to begin to heal the sick. And we're going to see in just a minute, he's given them power over uh, Satan, over the demonic, over the evil of the world. And so they come back, and this is what they say when they come back. This is in Luke 10, verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, Even the demons submit to us in your name. So they're rejoicing now. They've come back from this mission. They proclaimed the kingdom. They've healed the sick. And now they're realizing even the demons submit to us. But listen to what Jesus said. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Now, let's pray and try to remember the whole Bible that we just read. All right, God, thank you so much for your word that we can we can hold it, God, that we can read it, that we can know the truth, that you preserve the truth for us, God. Thank you that we can see your love for us and your grace to us throughout the whole Bible. I'm thankful that it reveals you. It reveals Christ. Every word, every letter reveals and points us to Jesus. God, also point us to our purpose. God, help us to see further. God, don't let us be nearsighted. God, speak to our hearts this morning to encourage us, embolden us to proclaim this message to the world, Lord. We love you and we thank you for everything you are and everything you've done. Let your spirit work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we do this sometimes here, but it's time for us to tell the truth, okay? Um, We're in church, so you can't lie, right? Um, And so here's a question for you. How many of you are people who, when you leave your house in the morning, the bed has to be made up? Anybody here, your bed has to be made, all right? So now, 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 several hands. How many of you would say that the reason you do that is because somebody just made you do it growing up, right? So some of you, yeah, yeah. Some of you are just OCD, so you make up the bed and you can't leave without it. But now, let's be honest. So everybody looks around, and now, now everybody who doesn't do that, you're in a place of condemnation, right? And so let's relieve that condemnation because I don't do it either, right? I don't, in fact, how many of you think like I think, and you say, what's the point I'm getting back in it tonight? My people, right? Much more of you, right? And so we don't make up the bed because what's the point? I'm going to get back in it anyway. It's just going to get messed up again. And so that... You know, it just is. And then what do we do if people are coming over? Shut the door. Thank you. Yeah. See, the 11 o'clock crowd, you're much more like me. The 9 o'clock crowd was like, we make it up. I'm like, hypocrites, just shut the door. We just take everything from inside, you know, that all the toys and clothes and everything. It's like we pick it up, put it on the bed, close the door, and tell our kids, if you go in there, we'll kill you, right? And so that's how you clean the house. So, anyway, but 
for me, it's kind of hard, you know, to do things that I'm kind of like, well, it's just, you know, mess it up again. And so what's the point, right? What's the point in doing it? You kind of could have the same approach when it comes to cutting grass, right? Because you're cutting the grass and you're, oh, it looks so good. But then you just got to turn around and do it again. And you could take the same approach as making up the bale. I'm not going to cut it because what's the point? It's going to grow back until you lose a child and then you have to cut the grass, right? And so we kind of have to do those kind of things. But the reason I bring that up is because sometimes I think we miss the point in a lot of things. In, in Christmas, we always talk about this. Every year we talk about this. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. Remember Jesus during this time. Don't get caught up in the consumerism. And, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. All those things, and all those things are really true. But I think that part of the issue in the church is not that we just miss the point. It's that we let it become about things other than Jesus. I think it's sometimes we don't realize how big the point is. Like we don't realize that it's bigger than what many times we think about or what we see. And so when we look at this today, I, I have been praying that God would open our eyes to see that it's much bigger than what many of us, including myself at times, have looked at than what many of us have seen. And so as we go and, and we will begin there in Luke chapter 10 where we just read, and I really want us to look at this because it's a, a scripture that gave me a lot of courage when I saw um, some new things in it a while back. And in Luke chapter 10, as I said, Jesus sends out these 72 disciples. He gives them authority to heal. He gives them authority to proclaim the gospel. They go out and they have incredible success in Jesus' name and his authority. They go out and they come back and they say, even the demons obey us. But Jesus responds to them and he says, listen, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on scorpions and snakes and nothing's going to harm you. But do not rejoice that the demons obey you or the spirits obey you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so he tells them this. And when I used to read that, I always thought that Jesus was referring to long ago when he was still in heaven, before he was um, incarnate before he came in the flesh and he saw God throw Satan out of heaven because he had rebelled against him. And as I began to study it and I began to see a little more, what I realized is that it's talking about something even more amazing. What Jesus is saying there is that as you went in my name, as you went in my authority, he said, as you were ministering and proclaiming the kingdom of God that is to come and that is now near and that is, is about to come into the world through me, he's saying, as you were doing these things, I saw Satan's kingdom falling. I saw Satan's kingdom tumbling. I saw the kingdom of darkness falling and tumbling down. And he's saying, listen, don't ever underestimate the power of my name, the power of the authority that I've been given. Don't ever underestimate that. When you're praying, when you're proclaiming the gospel, when you're sharing your testimony, when you're worshiping, he's saying you may not see it all in the physical, but what I'm telling you is that when you do those things, in my name, in my authority, the kingdom of darkness begins to fall. And it excited me when I started realizing He's saying it's bigger than what you think. The point is bigger than what you see. He's saying, and even as great as that is, don't even rejoice in that because 
Your names are written in heaven. That's the source of your joy. Not only that, that's the source of your strength. Not only that, that's the source of your power. Not only that, that's the source of your authority to do the things that I have commissioned you to do. And today, church, I want you to see that this thing is bigger than what we have typically made it. I even love the transition in songs today. I don't typically pick out songs on Sunday morning. Our worship team, they do a great job of picking out songs. But I loved how we transitioned from the Christmas songs, right? One, because I don't like Christmas music. But two, um, because we went from this kind of like, I don't know, light-hearted kind of, ah, ah, like that. Was that pretty good? Not really. So anyway, we kind of went from that to how deep the Father's love. And I don't know if you sensed it, but it was like a transition happened. It kind of went from like baby Jesus, awesome, yeah, man, it's so pure and innocent and sweet, to my gosh, he died for me. My gosh, he was wounded for me. My gosh, he took my sin upon himself and the wrath of God for me. And it really helped me to not lose sight of that. Because, see, we miss the point if we stop in Bethlehem. We miss the point even if we stop at the cross. We miss the point even if we stop at, at the resurrection. If we don't ever get to Jesus ascended and the giving of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of Jesus continuing in our life, we miss the point. And so we need to see this, that Jesus has overcome the enemy. He's given us this authority in the Great Commission. Jesus begins it by saying, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. What's he saying? Listen, now that I have overcome the enemy, now that I can give you this authority, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit who's going to embolden you. He's going to give you courage. Now in my name, I don't want you just to tag my name on the end of a blessing. Listen, my name gives you the authority to do what God intended for you to do in the first place, which is to fill the earth with his glory. Now, church, go and be my instrument in the world to renew the face of the earth. And so we have to begin to see this, that the purpose of all this doesn't even stop at the cross and the resurrection. It continues on with God's first intentional plan to fill the earth with people who would rule it and reign over it in a way that brings him glory so that all of creation would proclaim his goodness. It's bigger. It's bigger. When you look even at... Uh, the scripture in 2 Samuel 7, when he's talking about David and he's promising David someone from his lineage would rule over him. We read it in, um, in, in Zechariah's song that this one has come from David, his offspring, from the house of his servant David. What we start to see is that Jesus is the one who will rule and reign forever. And, and that is something that will certainly come to perfection on the earth but we need to understand that right now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, that he has now given us back authority on the earth to do what we were created to do. And so we see this fulfillment of this um, Davidic uh, covenant, this Davidic prophecy that someone from his line would sit on the throne. And we see that. We see Zechariah remembering that. And so it's important for us to understand that 
This is so big that God has now reestablished and is reestablishing his kingdom on earth. Is it perfected yet? No, but it has begun. And so we see this. When you look back at Mary's song, we see again what Jesus is coming to do. In verse 51, she says he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. If you look back in the Old Testament, the, the, those words, mighty deeds with his arm, they oftentimes refer to the power of God in creation. Sometimes they refer to God's power in preserving his people. But one of the things they most often um, refer to is God's power in delivering the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. You remember the Exodus thing, right? Where they come out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea. God delivers them from the hand of the Egyptians from slavery. And so as Mary is proclaiming this, it's as though God is saying, look, the Exodus was great. My power in creation is great. My power to preserve you is great. But the greatest exodus is about to come. And the greatest exodus is when my son is going to die on a cross for you. He's going to rise and he's going to send his spirit to live in you. And through his sacrifice and through my spirit, what's going to happen to you is I'm going to deliver you from the greatest slavery that you've ever been in, which is not slavery to the Egyptians, but it's slavery to sin, death, hell, and the grave. But through him and through my spirit, I'm going to deliver you from that because my arm is not too power or not too short to save, but it's powerful and mighty to lift you up out of your sin and out of the mire and the muck of life and to set you on firm ground so you can accomplish what I designed you to accomplish. And so we see this. Mary's singing this. She recognizes this is bigger. Is Mary blessed? Absolutely. But Mary's even realizing like, who am I to carry this child? Who am I to carry God's son? Look at what he's going to do. Look at what he's going to accomplish. If you go over to Zechariah's song, he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. See, here's the thing. Don't miss this. These people are in a, they are devastated. They're under the rule of Rome. They haven't heard God speak through a prophet for 400 years. And now they're recognizing that in their lifetime, one of the greatest things that would ever happen, the greatest thing they could ever see, Jesus is coming to earth. The Messiah is coming to deliver his people. No wonder that Zechariah begins this with praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to redeem to his people and redeem them. Redeem is a word that it describes um, setting one free from slavery. It's purchasing one out of slavery with the intent to set them free. He's saying this is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to pay the price for us so that we can be set free to live for him. It's a picture of a redeemer coming to set us free. Verse 69, he says, he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He's saying the one that was long ago promised to come from David's lineage, to come from his offspring, is now here. And when he says horn of salvation, horn right there, it literally means a powerful king. He's saying here comes a king who has the power over the enemy to come in and set us free. It's not just some king that's going to do it temporarily. 
temporarily. It's not like making up a bed. It's going to get messed up again. He's saying this is the king who's going to sit on the throne and is going to rule and reign forever over his people, giving them back the authority that they lost through sin, giving them back and setting them free now to fulfill the purpose for which they were created. This is all much bigger than what we typically think about at Christmas. We get the whole, it's not about, you know, buying presents. It's not, we always hear that. But it's much bigger than even that. God's got a great purpose for us to fulfill. And we see this throughout all of these verses. The way this purpose is going to be fulfilled, one is that it is personal. It begins in a personal way. It begins when God works in our life and he begins to set us free because God so loved the world, he sent his son. He sent him so he could forgive my sin so that he can make me right with him, so that no matter what sin I've committed, that that sin would no longer be this huge gap that keeps me away from God, but that God through Christ has now bridged the gap. And so personally, he comes to me. He fills me with his spirit. He fills me with his love. And then he begins to work in me in a way to make me whole. That's where it begins. I want you to see this because it's great to talk about that. But, but, it's even better when we see it in life. We see it in reality. And so I want you to see a testimony from someone who has experienced that, that God became very personal to them through some, some rough circumstances. But now they're experiencing the exodus. They've been brought out of bondage into freedom. They've been set free from what held them back. And so check out this video of an amazing story. You know, through all those years of the partying and the drugs, alcohol, the, just the fast lifestyle of running, you know, running from life, it never once dawned on me that it would carry me to the depth that it did. Um, growing up in South Georgia, uh, it's about like everybody else's story. From what I could tell, I had a normal childhood. I played every sport that I could that came around. I guess it was, you know, probably around the age of eight that I realized that my dad was an alcoholic. You know, I, I saw things in him over that, those years that I said I would never be like. You know, I can remember times of playing football. One person that was always in the stands was my mom. Uh, she run every touchdown with me that I ran. And when I got to the age of 16, um, of years of watching my mom put up with a lot, I told her one night it was time for me and her to leave. My parents got a divorce after that. My dad had come and caused a few problems and me and him had really got on the outs and I didn't have any respect for him. Um, I had thought I was grown and I'd started not listening to my mom. I was 17 years old. It was my senior year of high school. And uh, this whole time, 
you know, I would lost respect for my dad. and um, But my truck, I was having problems with the truck I was driving, and my dad had taught me everything I knew about vehicles. So I went by for him to help me, and, I, and for some reason I noticed a change in him. He wasn't drunk, he wasn't high, he wasn't anything. And, and he helped me work on my truck that day. And it was a man that I, had, as far as I knew, had never met before. When I was leaving, I said, Daddy, I love you. He said, I love you too, son. And that was the last time I ever spoke to him. I didn't know four days later that I would find him dead. That crushed me. Um, that really crushed me. I shut off from the world after that and thought I knew best for me. Um, I fell into addiction really deep. Didn't know it was addiction at the time. I just knew that alcohol and coke and partying and girls and racing and whatever kept my mind off the pain. This rocked on till I was 36 years old. You know, back right after I found my dad dead, my mom had met a guy, um, which is my stepdad today. They got married about my senior year. And reflecting back on it, um, I could see that he was the dad that I'd prayed for my whole life. After finding my dad, I lost all feeling for anyone. Um, it's like I couldn't love anybody. And if it got close to me, I'd do something to self-destruct and push him away. And through some mutual friends, I met Lindsay. Um, and we started dating. And she was not living for the Lord at the time, and I wasn't either. We were both drinking and partying, uh, just enjoying life, thought we were. And after a while of dating, she got pregnant. She quit drinking, quit partying, but I didn't. Uh, and after a while of me continuing to drink and party and this and that, she gave me basically an ultimatum and said either, you know, change or get out. And I chose to get out and run for my responsibilities. So on July 3rd, 2015, I got arrested and carried to jail for uh, DUI in possession. I sent word down to our sheriff, uh, you know, asking him to help me. And he sent word back to me that he had helped me all my life, that this time he was gonna teach me a lesson. The, the only way that I was getting through jail, period, was I, somebody brought me a Bible and an AA book, not knowing it, but at the whole time, this was in God's plan. And so I get sent to RSAT. I spent four and a half months in the county jail. And the longer I was in there and the more I sobered up, the more feelings started coming back. Um, the more <laughs> I prayed, I was scared to death. I really was. And I knew I had screwed up with Lindsay. How could this lady ever forgive me? How could my parents ever forgive me? As these feelings started coming back in jail, and as I started getting closer to God, and I started praying, and I started searching, and I started asking God, if you will help me to not be the man that I said I would never, you know, that I would never be, I'm him, and I need your help. Lord, I, you know, whatever your will is, let it be done. And the judge sentenced me to nine and a half more months RSAT. 
In total, I was locked up for 14 and a half months. Lindsay was still, her, she was hurt, I hurt her bad. I found out that she had had a little girl, but my, my daughter was born while I was locked up. And that's something I'll never be able to give back to her. It's something that hurts me today. And that night in jail when I found out my child was born and I wasn't there, um, I promised God if he would help me make me the man he wanted me to be, <laughs> that I'd never turn back to my worldly ways. The sheriff was nice enough to let Lindsay bring, bring her for me to see her. And the first time I got to see her was through the plexiglass window. And I wasn't able to hold her. And she was the sweetest thing I'd ever seen in my life. But that gave me more drive. God gave me that little bit while I was in jail to say this is what you've got to look forward to when you get out. After that, I started writing Lindsay and I started calling her. And Lindsay had started going to Connection Church during this time. God laid it on her heart to forgive me. And it, it was just amazing how God was starting to work in our life, in my life and me being locked up. But God kept telling me, I've got you. You know, you keep living for me and I'll take care of the rest. I'd gotten out of jail on August 25th, 2016, and Lindsay and my daughter Adley and my parents were there to pick me up. Um, and walking out of that boot camp that day, I, I could feel God's hand on me and my family. And from that day forward, me and Lindsay started dating. Through a lot of trials, um, I started going to Connection Church. God got me and Lindsay in the small group and uh, got us into some counseling with Billy. Through God's grace, God gave me the you know, courage and strength to ask Lindsay to marry me. Through his grace and through him giving her a forgiving heart, she said yes. God gave me and Lindsay a beautiful wedding. We have been blessed beyond belief. Thank God he's a forgiving God. And uh, I thank God today for where he's got me at and where he's carried me and the opportunities he's given me to help other people. Um, I've got with my, with my testimony and with my life, I've been able to help a lot of people um, and will be able to hopefully continue to help other people. You know, and God don't call me to be perfect. He just calls me to be faithful. Amen. Just a demonstration of God's power of the first part of what Jesus came to do to set us free, to set us free from addiction, to set us free from sin of all types, to be able to give us back the ability to do what we were created to do originally. Um, and, and when we look at that, though, I, and, and this is the thing, I don't, 
don't mean this to make light of that. That is huge, and that is amazing at what God does. And the first part of what God does in this plan of reconciliation and this work of Christ that he came to do is personally he comes to me and he sets me free. He gives me life. He infuses me with his spirit, and he makes me different forever. And so that's the beginning of that. But there's more to it. The point is even bigger. I feel like the church over, uh, you know, the years, and, and we have kind of um, aimed too low. We've sort of aimed at our own feet so that the point of it all is that I'm saved and, and even I'm, 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 you know, set free from my sin. But if you notice, Dustin, at the end of that, he said, what I'm doing now and what God's done in me is helping others. See, it doesn't stop with us. It keeps going. One of the scriptures that we haven't looked back at yet is the scripture in Genesis chapter 12. And in that scripture, God promises Abraham, not only am I going to bless you, Abram, and make you a great nation, he says, but through you, in other words, through your seed, through your offspring, I'm going to use you to be a blessing to all nations. And so we see this promise. When you come to Mary's song, she says this in verse 54. She says, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What she's saying, that Jesus has come to be the one who is going to fulfill the promise that was made to Abraham that one of his descendants, one of his offspring would be the one who through them all the world is blessed. All nations are blessed. You go to Zechariah's song. He says in uh, 72, he comes to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath we, he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. He's saying, listen, he's come to be the fulfillment of what was promised to Abraham. And now through him and through what he does, God is going to enable us to be that fulfillment of what Jesus started. Even going to Simeon, this man who had longed to see the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus come. He says in verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation for which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. In other words, he's telling us, look, this is what I recognize. This, this coming of, of the Messiah, Jesus' is coming, it's not just to be a revelation or a light to a few. It's to be a revelation and a light to the world. See, what God does in us personally, even what God does in us privately, is never meant to stay personal. It's never meant to stay private. What he does in us and what he does for us is to be what compels us and is a catalyst to us to carry us into the world. Do you think, Dustin, listen, and I'll go to war with that guy, right? I'll go to war with that dude. When you see what God's done in his life, when you think about what God's done in your life, if you are in Christ, not everybody has a testimony that starts off, well, when I was partying, drinking, and doing cocaine. 
But this is what I can tell you. Every person in here, apart from faith in Christ, even if you grew up and you were a relatively perfect child or the good old American boy, here's the thing I can tell you. When you died because we've all sinned, you just still busted the gates of hell wide open. So we all this morning, if we have faith in Christ, have a reason to celebrate and praise him for what he's done. And that is the motivation, that's the motivating factor that makes you willing to storm hell with water pistols, to look Satan in the eye and not back down. Why? Because I know the one who stands with me is greater. I know the one who is in me is overcome. And I'm not going to back down because now I have a greater purpose. Now I have a greater strength. Now I have a greater power to proclaim it. Not just that I get on a plane and fly around the world. Yeah, that's part of it. But when I go to the ball field, when I go to Walmart, hope God help you. When you go uh, Christmas shopping on Highway 80 and it takes you 30 minutes to get from one red light to the other because it's Christmas time. Praise God. Right? And, and then and when you go to the hunting club, when you go wherever, it's to be the light. It's to carry the light. It's to share him in Statesboro, in the nation, in the nation's the point is bigger. The point is not just stopping with us. Listen, that is awesome what God does for me. But what's even more awesome is what God does through us. If we, if we stop if we stop at me, we miss the point. We miss the point. The King of Kings has come to deliver us from the enemy. The King of Kings has come to give us back the ability to do what we were originally created to do in the first place. How do we do that? We draw close to him. We let him give us the plan. We carry it to the world. As we draw close to him, the spirit stirs in us. We have a boldness and a courage through prayer. We pray his word and his promises. We stand on who we are in Him. We keep swinging like we talked about last week. Keep knocking. Knowing that God is faithful and that His promise to Abraham, His promise to David, all of His promises are true. All of His promises will come true because God is faithful. Again, it begins with us, but it doesn't stop with us. It begins in my heart, but that's what compels me to tell others. Maybe today for you is just a point of beginning. Maybe you find yourself, you might be in a place like Dustin, or you might just be in a place where you've always just been distant from God. You've never been reconciled to God by faith in Christ. You've never accepted Jesus' sacrifice for your sin. You 
never felt his grace pull the weight of sin off of your life. But maybe the Lord's been leading you to that. Maybe it's during this service. Maybe, look, maybe it's been for weeks. There's people who come in here all the time who they finally come to faith. They come to trust and belief in Jesus as their Savior. The Holy Spirit's been working on them. And they come in and they say, finally, you know, God's been working on me for six weeks. Finally, today was the day I knew, like, I need to get this right. I don't know if it's today. I don't know if it's been for weeks. I don't know if it's been for years. But if the Lord's knocking on your heart, if he's calling you to himself, if the Spirit of God is working in you to accept Christ, to come to faith in him, to trust him with your life, to trust him with your salvation, if you've never done that, then today's a good day to do that. So I'm gonna give you that opportunity. If the Lord's working in your heart, you've never come to faith in Christ, but he's been speaking to you. And now you say, I'm ready. I want to take the first step. I want to take the first step in this journey with him. Then I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be very bold. I want you to, I want you to stand up today. If you can stand up, if you can't, just, just raise your hand. But I want, to, I want to recognize this. I want to celebrate this. I want to help you most importantly take your next steps with God. So you're here today and you don't know him. It's in your heart today to take that step. All right, let's pray. God, I'm just thankful today that you are a reconciler. God, that you reconcile us to yourself. You make us right with you again, God. And, and I pray that through this season, you would do that with us, with others as well. Help us to forgive others as you've forgiven us, Lord. God, I, I pray also that we would continue to grow in wholeness. God, that as we grow in you, Lord, that, um, God, we'd walk even more and more in your plan and purpose for our life. Don't let us stop at me, God, and what you do in me. God, let us be excited about what you do through us. Help us to be that renewing agent in the world. Let us be the church you died to create. Fill us with your boldness to carry that out, God. Your power, help us to walk. In your purpose, in your plan. God, we thank you for Christ, his coming, his death, resurrection, and the spirit. God, that you've set us free to do your plan and purpose. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, guys, as you leave, we'll, again, we'll take up our offering. We do believe that's a part of our worship and have a really, really awesome Christmas. God bless you.